This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman the Fourth. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Dustin Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 13, Episode 15. I'm your host, Ian, and with me I have... This is Steph. And this is Daniel. And as you can hear, Theo is absent. He is working on school, so we wish him the best. And we have the wonderful Daniel, who last co-hosted on the excellent Harleen retrospective episode during the pandemic. So, uh, Daniel, how have you been in the last year? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been okay. I'm managing fine, Ian. Thanks. Excellent. So we have two excellent comics to review and a lot of good Greater Gotham and some listener feedback to get to. But we have some, in my opinion, but I know that a lot of people do not share this opinion, very sad news that James Tynan is going to be leaving Batman in uh, at the end of November after Fear State finishes. And he's going to go completely to a Substack model of comics where you have subscriptions to a newsletter and through that you get a digital copy of the comics. And he's also said that they're going to make print deals, but they don't have day and date print deals. So it's going to be digital first and then print. Similar to sort of what I think Scott Snyder is doing with his comics on Comixology, where Dark Horse is going to be printing them, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be day and date to me. But that means instead of the two more years after Fear State that most of us expected we were going to get because Tynan has consistently uh, raised the sales of Batman, we're getting three more months and that's it. And then he did say he's going to finish Joker at issue 14, which will take us to April. Um, So I'm glad about that because if he tried to finish Joker right now, it would be really, I I would be very disappointed because it's not anywhere close to a conclusion. So let, let's get our, our reactions first. You've already sort of gotten what I think, but what do we think about James Tynan leaving Batman? Well, it's a little sad. It makes you wonder what happened. They Are there backed a money truck things? up into his yard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I am I'm curious. I mean, I'm... Batman writers are always going to change, and it's it's fine. It's a little sad. I'm enjoying what he's doing, and it's nice that the books are cohesive. And so I guess I'm scared that him leaving is going to ruin the cohesion because I don't know how much he's in control of that or they're catering to that. So I'm just worried we're going to go back to either a Tom King disaster or continuity across books disaster. I enjoyed Tom King, but, you know. So that's my only big concern is, are they going to poo-poo the book continuities? But good luck to him. 
You gotta do what you gotta do. And if he's doing what he wants to do, that's fine. You don't have to be on Batman. You don't have to be on Batman to be happy. One might say that people yelling at you because they don't like you doesn't make you happy. <laughs> Not that people are yelling at him, but there's always someone. Yeah, um, just I mostly I, I agree with Steph. I was I was pretty sad to be honest with you when I heard it because I really um, I enjoyed Tynan's run on Detective Comics and I've really liked him on Batman pretty much principally. I mean, I like the the narrative and the stories. I I think he's easier to follow. I think people who heard my uh, prior appearance on TBU podcast know that while I really appreciate a lot about Tom King, I think his narratives are really, really sort of confusing and, and the chronologies are often messed up. And so it's difficult to follow. So it's really nice to be able to just follow the stories, I think a little bit easier. And then to that point about cohesiveness, I mean, it's interesting to me that Tynan refers to himself as a showrunner. Like he actually uses that language when he talks about it. And you could really start to see it, that sense of sort of cohesiveness across different books in the Batman universe, I thought was really, really exciting. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily imagine that that is a strength of all writers, because I certainly don't think it was a strength of King's as creative and original mm-hmm. writer as he is. So I'm kind of sad about that, but sort of just interested to see who they bring on. And I hope that they've had enough notice, right? I mean, that they've had enough notice to really sort of think and plan a little bit about who they want to bring on to the main book next. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. I, As much as I really do enjoy what Tynan is doing, especially on Joker, I think anyone who's listened to the podcast for the last six months knows that I won't shut up about how much I love Joker, um, which is something you would never hear me say a year ago. And when I say I love Joker, I mean I love the title Joker, not the character Joker. But he... I mean, he came up in the trenches as a backup writer for Scott Snyder, and then his first big project was... Batman Eternal, where he wrote like the beginnings and ends of the arcs, but he had to coordinate with six other writers, all of whom were writing at the same time because it was a weekly comic. And so he really does have that extremely collaborative ability to improvise and work with other people's ideas, but also sort of direct people. So one of the problems with I would argue the last three major Batman writers, which takes us past 15 years, is that all of them are very solitary writers. Tom King is very, very solitary. He says he doesn't like to tell people what to do. He he does sometimes do sort of a an improvisational series like Grayson with Tim Seeley, but that was really kind of taking every other issue rather than writing together. Scott Snyder does like to make people feel included, but he's not very good at it. I really think that it was James Tynan that kind of formed the group that helped Scott Snyder's vision be projected through the New 52. Um, And then Grant Morrison was really just kind of writing what Grant Morrison wanted to write, and then everyone else wrote around that stuff. Grant Morrison almost never really worked with the other writers in my opinion now i could be wrong i wasn't there but just looking at how those titles worked and what those titles did for all three of those writers none of them have been as interested in working together as tynan always is interested in working together with other writers i i have preferred other things i mean obviously i prefer joker to what he's doing in batman i've preferred his detective comics but I think what he is doing in Batman is well worth reading. It's been a lot of fun. And he's worked really well with Jorge Jimenez. Now, Jimenez has said he's staying on the title. Um, I don't know how long that will last. 
but it is nice to know that he's still interested in drawing Batman for a different writer. So Theo, our co-host, gave us a list of preferred or potential Batman writers, and we have we got, we did talk about this a few was it last episode stuff? Oh, some, some some amount of time ago. It was yeah. Like who who would you like to see on Batman? Like our dream list. Yeah, that was probably a few weeks ago. And we did not think it would have to come into play this early. This uh, third, yeah, I really didn't think that uh, this was going to happen. Fields list of potential Batman writers in order of preference are one through three is Brandon Thomas. I was going to read them out, but that's you know we got time. Uh, four. Christopher Priest, five, Chip Zdarsky, six, Kelly Thompson, and seven, Tom Taylor. Uh, So, Brandon Thomas, okay, newbie here. Okay, Brandon Thomas is the one that made us like Duke Thomas, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Christopher Priest is very smart and wrote... Deathstroke. Deathstroke, I just couldn't remember the name. Which which, Black Panther, too, I think, right? Yes. He wrote like four years of Black Panther. I kind of would like him on tech... Yes, I would also like. We him need we need smart people on deck. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about Tamaki at all. I'm just saying it's been a while. <laughs> uh, Chip Zdarsky. He's writing oh, the Jason I, story right now. He's writing the Jason story, which is so good. Uh, Kelly Thompson. Now she's the one that's a full Marvel right now, right? Yes. I don't know anything about her. She's writing Black Widow right now, and also Captain Marvel. I think um, she wrote I'm, Deadpool. I'm I'm reading the new Black Widow. It's pretty good, actually. I'm impressed. I didn't realize. I, I honestly didn't realize that was her, but I like it. So that that's interesting. Yeah, I thought the first arc was kind of weak, but the second arc has really been everything I'd hoped for. So it's really, I would, I would love to see her come over to do Batman. I don't think they're gonna do that just because she's so entrenched at Marvel. But I could be wrong. And then Tom Taylor. I just don't want him to leave. I don't want him to leave Nightwing. I think Tom I, Taylor. I'm enjoying- has too many projects right now. I mean, he's got yeah. the Dark Ages going on at Marvel and Nightwing and um, the 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 Detective something. Yeah, Batman, Batman the, the detective. detective. Although I'm sure that's already yeah. written because we're like over Probably. halfway through that. And he's got another project. He just said that he's been working on for two years, and I'm pretty sure he's got other other projects too. And he also might be working on TV. I actually don't know because he has worked on TV before. But it doesn't sound like he's got room for Batman. Because basically, if you're Batman, that's your main book. You can't like do yeah. Batman on the side. <laughs> and we don't want you flipping tables, Ian, if Tom Taylor actually becomes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that everyone except me would be fine with Tom Taylor. But I think what people don't... Until he don't, kills everyone else. I, don't, I think what people might not realize is that until Tom King, Batman was always my least favorite book in the Batman line. I always liked the Bat family better. So yeah. the Batman book being my least interesting book in the lineup is not actually something I'd be bothered by. It's unusual for me to like it as much as I have with Tynan and King. And then Theo asks, what is Tomasi doing these days? Indeed. Where, uh, he's been dropping the ball. Like, Challenge of the Super Sons was better than Adventure of the Super Sons, but that's not, not saying, saying much. too much. <laughs> and, I mean, it was cute. It was very cute. I enjoyed it. But I still don't understand and, why there needed to be three pages about Superboy drinking pee. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Tomasi's kind of lost his charm for me a little bit. Also, he screwed up tech. <laughs> he did, yeah. I don't think his oh, run on tech was, was that strong. So, And I don't know of- why, because his run on Batman and Robin showed he can do these long-term character-driven arcs, but there was no character-driven stuff no. in tech. No. 
it felt kind of perfunctory, like he kind of just doing it, almost like filler, some of it. Yeah, and I never don't know why. Tech. Like, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Tomasi, like, I know he can be really, like, long-term and driven. Maybe this is part of the editorial problem that led them to fire Dandidio. Maybe Dandidio wouldn't let Tomasi plan out that far. Maybe. Who knows? And then Theo says, any mention of Brian Michael Bendis should be met with an impalement on the stake. So, so I am, Ian's list I am very with. glad that I am not uh, having to record with Theo right now because my first person <laughs> is Bendis. And when I say my first person is Bendis is my first person after everyone he listed except Tom Taylor is Bendis. So I actually think <laughs> Bendis would be kind of mediocre at this point. It's possible that he could have like a real story he wanted to tell. But based on what he's doing with Justice League and what he did with Superman, now I didn't hate it like both of my co-hosts did, but I also wasn't super enthralled with it. It certainly wasn't as good as Tom King's uh, Superman run or Robert Vendetti's Superman run, which went on at the same time. So my opinion of a Bendis um, Batman would probably be, it would be meh. Um, <laughs> meh to the extreme. Yeah. It, I, I don't think I would hate it, but it would definitely, I think, be meh. My next person would be Joshua Williamson, who's currently writing Robin. Now, I don't think Williamson can do it because he is so busy. Like, he's doing Infinite Frontier. He's building to a new event. He's writing um, uh, Robin. He's writing... Uh, there's something else he was writing, but he like feels like he's reading writing so many things all at once. And I don't think he has the space to do the Batman book. Because, again... Batman is the main book you're doing when you're on Batman. Another thing that we've talked about is scooting Tamaki, Marco Tamaki, from Detective to Batman. Now, I don't think I've seen someone go from Detective to Batman um, directly before, except for Scott Snyder. So Scott Snyder did The Black Mirror, and then there was a reboot, and they put him on Batman. Now, that's a little different because it was a reboot, and we don't have that kind of situation here. I think it's more likely that they feel that Tamaki's doing a really great job on Detective, which she is, and they will keep her there. Um, I think she would do a great job on Batman, too. But I don't like splitting something without like a big in-universe reason. It feels like she has a lot more story she wants to tell in Detective. And even if she took that story and put it in Batman, that would it would just feel so disjointed and weird. And I don't think it would be a good idea. Other people that I'd suggest who are in the DC stable, um, Tim Seeley, who just came back to DC with Superman versus Lobo and uh, Suicide Squad King Shark. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tim Seeley. I think he was trying to become the next Tom King in a lot of ways because he worked on Grayson with Tom King. He worked on Batman Eternal with James Tynan and Batman and Robin Eternal. He did Nightwing and Rebirth, but then he kind of moved away from dc did a lot of indie um he's still doing a lot of very popular indie including the definitely not safe for children or work but very amusing series money shot so i don't know maybe tim seeley will be someone who could be tapped i think he could do it it would definitely be a more lighthearted take because tim seeley tends to do lighthearted um really well he, he like blends funny and heart really well and another person people have suggested is Stephanie Phillips, who's doing a really good job with Harley Quinn right now. But I don't know if they're willing to bet on someone who basically just has six issues of an ongoing under her belt at this point. Uh, and my troll answer is they're going to bring back Tom King. <laughs> uh, they're, they're not going to do that. Um, 
I don't want them to do that because I want Tom King to finish Bat Cat and I don't want him to do more than 12 issues at a time. Um, but it is, I think it would be hilarious. That's one word for it. <laughs> okay, Daniel, what do you think uh, uh, in terms of who they could bring who we haven't discussed before? The only other name that sort of um, that I have really liked, I've really loved his storytelling in comics in general is Karen Gillan. Because mostly I read the Batman universe and then I'm a Star Wars fanatic as well. And so I think some of Kieran Gillen's, his run in Star Wars, I actually think is one of some of the best Star Wars stories that have ever been told. And Ian reminded me um, in, in, when we were preparing that he's actually, he was on black, he was on black, uh, black and white actually, right? So he has at least some dip to toe in um, to, to DC as well. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the odds of that happening are, but I, I do think he's a, he's a really, really great storyteller and he makes really tight, um, cohesive arcs that sweep. I mean, some of what he did in Star Wars was long, you know, it took a long while to sort of finish some of the arcs he did. So, so it would be neat to see him, but I, I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea if that's in the realm of possibility. Oh, someone else I was thinking about is maybe they could get Greg Rucker to come back. I don't think he would, but possibly. All right, so that wraps up our discussion of James Tynan IV leaving Batman after Fear State in November. Again, I am very sad, largely because I just think he's been such a great collaborator and he's really brought the Bat books together. It feels like they're all in the same universe and it doesn't feel like... Like, you can have these conversations about, well, when does this happen? When does that happen? But you don't have that feeling like, well, Tom King's writing about a Batman who's basically spending all his time with Catwoman. And James Tynan, a detective, is writing about a Batman who's spending all his time with these six people. And Scott Snyder in Justice League has Batman with all his bones broken. And you're just like, how do these fit together in any way? So, we wish James Tynan the best, but we wish he were staying a bit longer. At least I do. With that being said, let us move forward to our reviews, and we'll start with Batman number 111. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Written by James Tynan IV, drawn by Jorge Jimenez, colored by Tumumore. In the future, Batman continues to face the Scarecrow in his waking nightmares, as in the present day... Miracle Molly and her unsanity collective cyborg friends fight off Peacekeeper 01, trying to kill them, despite the unsanity collective surrendering. Batman, Harley, and Ghostmaker arrive, giving the collective time to board Ghostmaker's plane. Ghostmaker stabilizes the most critically wounded cyborg kid, and Batman tracks Peacekeeper 01 to Arkham, where Scarecrow betrays Simon St. and Peacekeeper, then captures Batman, leading directly to the flash-forward scenes that we've been seeing for the last six issues. So, some questions. Do you like the circular way the book uses the flash-forward openings now that we've come to the beginning of that section of the book? Uh, Have we, though? Because he's just standing there, looming over Batman, but if you read the free comic book day Batman comic, it looks like he gets away, maybe? So, unless something happens between right now, this last page in Batman, and the free comic book day, or maybe what's in the free comic book day is is all in Batman's head, which is possible. Um, it's 
fine. I'm glad to be caught up with the present. I keep forgetting about the beginning, so I'm glad that that's over. <laughs> um, not that it wasn't scary or anything. It just was just like a page or two, and then you'd read a story that had nothing to do with that. So it just kind of slipped from my mind. So I'm glad to be caught up and to finally start Fear State because, I don't know, it's been a little annoying. But it's just been teased, and then nothing ever really came of it until now. Yeah, um, I I like it. I mean, I think, you know, I I like it to a point when comic book authors play with time a little bit, right? I mean, I I think it's interesting, and I don't think it's been too distracting. I mean, I think Steph's point is a good one. If you really didn't want to get too invested in it, you didn't have to, right? Because most of the narrative was about something else. But it it was cool to see it sort of start to uh, to come back around. I mean, I'm not sure. I agree with Steph. I'm not sure exactly where we are, but certainly seemed to have sort of turned a corner a little bit, right? To getting closer to the present. So I think it's it's effective. um, I, I don't have like hugely strong feelings about it, but but you know I, I do want it to sort of pay off eventually, right? I want to get caught up and figure out what's going on, sort of in the present. So so I like that it's sort of moving along. It doesn't feel like Tynan is just stringing us along unnecessarily. Yeah, I think I agree with both of you. The opening flash forwards haven't felt hugely weighty. I mean, basically, it's just seconds or minutes where Batman starts being captured and then eventually he breaks free and he runs out and sees a huge what appears to be a hallucination of Scarecrow. So that's like a summary of all the flash forwards so far. Now I read this as basically Batman bursts in to find Scarecrow and Scarecrow knocks him out and then um, starts the experiments and then we go back to the beginning of the flash forwards. And then at the end of the flash forward, so basically at the end of this issue's flash forward, we go into free comic book day. Where he's already broken yeah. free from the restraints, but he's still under the influence of Scarecrow. Although we don't know for sure if Batman is under the influence of any fear toxin, because Tynan has been promising that there's not going to be a lot of fear toxin used in Fear State. Mm. Now, that leads us to the question, where do you think Fear State will lead us? Do you agree that it seems like Future State was actually just a future version of events that are happening now? Um, well, I mean, they're definitely lining it up. They've got Peacekeeper and Harley doing things and Scarecrow. Well, no, Scarecrow is not on path to be a doctor for uh, Gotham. Um, I don't know. And Arkham is burned down, so they're going to have to... Re- I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that isn't lined up yet that makes it so it can't be immediately soon after this. But also because of the age of the characters and all the stuff that's lining up to happen, it can't also be too far down the road. So, I don't... I don't know. They could still bring it full circle. Yeah, I... um. I think one of the things I really liked about, um, and I didn't read a, a huge number of titles in, fu- in Future State, full disclosure, but I think one of the things that I think was really interesting about it was h- how well they sort of masked the sense of time. Like it was sort of, quote, Austin Powers, right? Quasi-futuristic, right? So, so <laughs> But I couldn't tell whether it was like, you know, six months in the future, a year in the future, in, in continuity, I mean, right? Or like 20, 30 years in the future, right? Like old Bruce, like Dark Knight Returns or something like that. I, I couldn't really tell. So I think it's been interesting to realize the more we've gotten into the narrative that 
that sort of just what your question sort of presupposes in that sort of future state is right around the corner, basically, right? Um, and that it was in the very sort of near future, which is interesting because then it makes me sort of go back and think about some of the things that we read in future state first and try to sort of locate them and place them. Um, I, I do think I, I think it's true. I mean, I think that I'm increasingly becoming convinced that future state is not at all in the distant future, right? That it's actually very near and close by. And so I think that's interesting um, to think about fear state transitioning into future state sort of close in time in the books yeah so my idea is more like future state is a parallel timeline to me and that it's sort of like earth 2 is a parallel timeline to our earth you know and in earth 2 batman got married to catwoman and had a daughter but in terms of the relative time his daughter is the same is roughly the same age as Batman on our Earth. So it's like Earth 2 is further along in the future. So in my mind, future state is further along in the future, but parallel in time to our Gotham. And what we're about to see is the Magistrate taking over Gotham in a similar way to what we saw in Fear State, but set in the present timeline instead of all of the vigilantes grown up and split up. Um, I also think that it's not a coincidence that this event is called Fear State, and that's directly linked to Future State. So I think that that parallel naming convention indicates a parallel plotting convention as well. It's not going to repeat everything that happened in Future State, but it is basically how Future State influences the current continuity. Um, then what's the point of keeping the other Future State book and the Second Son book? Uh, well, Second Son is because they wanted John Ridley to write for them, and John Ridley to, wanted to write uh, The Fox Family. Mm. But that's a continuation of 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 his dark designs or whatever no uh second no, son uh, is actually a prequel to what tynan was doing because it sets up uh montoya as commissioner and no, no no that's what i meant to say is is it's it's kind of it's setting up future state but also it's continuing on uh the joker war that's what i meant to say right right exactly um i think that's just because they wanted ridley to write something and they told him what time periods he had to work with. Mm. Um, as for as for Future State Gotham, I think that's just because Future State did a lot better than they expected, and so they wanted to keep the momentum going. Mm. I still don't know why it's black and white, though. I like it. I didn't. Well, anyway. That's I great. like color, but I don't, I don't know. All right. Let's uh, get to our backup. This is, again, the conclusion of the Ghostmaker backups, in which Ghostmaker has been fighting various enemies as uh, on the island of Madame Midas. And Madame Midas has just dropped like something like 90,000 tons of rocks on his head. And Madame Midas, one of her allies, tells the story of how he mastered the art of pain and like wrapped himself in barbed wire. And then he wrapped Ghostmaker in barbed wire, but barb but Ghostmaker was a superior student of pain and stuck a blade in his brain so it robbed him of the ability to feel pain and he lost all he's lived for. And then uh the story ends promising that the story of Madame Midas versus Ghostmaker will conclude in Batman Annual twenty twenty one coming in November. Are you excited 
to read this Batman annual, concluding the story. Is the whole annual going to be Ghostmaker? That's what it looks like. Hmm. Well, not if it's another history story about why we should like Ghostmaker and then him moving another two inches to his goal, then no. But if the story's going to end, um, yay, I'm really excited. Um, I'm a little different than, than Theo, especially who, who can't even bring himself to speak about Ghostmaker anymore <laughs> on these shows. I, I actually, I don't, I don't think that the backups are of extremely high quality, but I actually do find the, the character of Ghostmaker, uh, somewhat interesting, right? He's sort of like a, he's not like a mirror image. He's not like a bizarro Bruce or anything like that, but <laughs> there, there are some, you know, there are some similarities and then some profound differences. And I think it's really interesting. He's sort of in, you know, to sort of see how he plays off of Bruce. And I think his, his, his tensions uh, with Harley are also quite interesting. I like Harley a lot, so I like his tensions with her. That's you get that, of course, more in the main story. But 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 I it makes me more interested in the character, I guess, as well. Um, so that being said, am I especially excited to read a whole sort of annual <laughs> issue about Ghostmaker? That's probably too much even for me, uh, to be honest with you. But you know, I'm interested in the character. I I, I think he's he's. I mean. You know, you know, he sort of sparks enough of an interest to me that I'm sort of curious to see what will end up happening between him and Bruce and if they'll end up sort of duking it out at some point, Ian, as you've suggested, which I think you're probably right about. So, um, Well, at this I point, don't I don't know if that's true anymore because I was thinking that'd be like a year from now. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. That's a good point. Yeah, I have to accelerate the timeline a little bit in my head. So, I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to read the Batman annual. Am I super excited to see how this all plays out? I mean, like I said, I don't think the, the narrative or the story itself is all that strong. Um, I think a lot of it will really just depend on if you're even mildly curious about Ghostmaker as a character or not. Yeah. Um, so James Tynan has created a ton of OCs for original characters, sorry, for this Batman run. And I don't mind, because uh, honestly, most Batman writers do create a lot of original characters. I mean, Grant Morrison created so many for Batman Inc. Um, Scott Snyder is a bit unusual in that he didn't create a ton of original characters, um, but he did create a fair number. Um, Tom King created almost no original characters except for Gotham Girl. Um, he was really trying for kind of a, a greatest hits of Batman in some ways in terms of the characters he used. Um, which kind of, I mean, we could get really meta and talk about what that meant and, and why it worked and why it didn't work. Um, quite honestly, if he'd used Joker more, people would have liked it better because when he did use Joker, I think it was good. And that would be an A-list villain when a lot of the stuff he focused on was not really A-list villains. It was Flashpoint Batman, who is an interesting idea, but he's not an A-list villain. So James Tynan has created a lot of original characters, but there's only three that have been really breakouts. And I would say that's Punchline, Ghostmaker, and Clown Hunter. Uh, would you agree with that assessment so far? Do you think that I'm missing one of the breakouts? I think that's a good list. I can't even, I mean, honestly, I can't even think of some of the others. So, I mean, you could right. maybe argue for Miracle Molly, but she's appeared in like two issues. I don't think she really counts. Yeah, um, Punchline, of course, got her special, which kicked off the uh, Punchline backups in the Joker title. Um, 
quite honestly, I thought that the punchline special should have just been backups. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying the punchline backups way more than the punchline special. And I think that's a good format for a new character like this. I really loved, uh, the Batman annual number five last year, which was all about clown hunter. Um, I thought that was extremely emotional and really built out Gotham in a good way. And I, I would say of the three main original characters he's created, clown hunter is the one that I've formed the most connection to, even though he has kind of taken a real back seat in the last six months. Although he is about to get a special next week, which we'll of course cover in greater Gotham next week or rather next episode. Um, but that won't be by Tynan, unfortunately, that'll be by Ed Brisson. So I think that Ghostmaker is probably the character I'm least interested in just because a lot of what Tynan's doing with him is trying to create a less evil Deathstroke. Um, and if I wanted to see Deathstroke written again, I would read what Priest did, or I'd go and try and read some, some Wolfman. Um, I do appreciate that he's trying to use Ghostmaker to appeal to a very deliberately anime or shonen audience with all these one-on-one duels and he's the most powerful and all this stuff that really appeals to that, you know, section of the market. I think that's smart, but I'm not that section of the market. So it didn't really appeal to me nearly as much as characters like uh, clown hunter. I am curious. Do you think that Batman will be involved at all? Cause Batman was only in a few pages of the last annual that um, Tynan wrote about Clown Hunter. You know, Ian, what's also interesting is that, and I'll keep coming back to this because unlike Theo, I actually really, really lo- love Harley Quinn mm-hmm. as a character. All three of those characters you just named, they all have pretty close connections to Harley in many ways, which I think is actually interesting. Right? That's Clown really Hunter. true. Yeah, Clown Hunter, Ghostmaker, right, and Punchline have all been really connected to Harley in important ways, which is, I think, interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it, but I think it's interesting that Harley's at the center of that. And it makes me think that Tynan was trying to build to something bigger with Harley that, unfortunately, he won't get to. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Well, you can see it, too, right? I mean, you know, at the... You know, with Clown Hunter, right, there was clearly that sort of, he, he'd really sort of started that, that idea of that redemption arc, right? Was that King who was still on with Clown Hunter? No, that was Tynan, right? Um, yeah, it was Tynan. Um, you know, and you can see that being picked up, of course, in the Harley book by Stephanie Phillips as well, again, sort of touching on that cohesiveness, right? So there's something important there that's going on in different books in the back in the universe at the same time. So, um, yeah, I'm guessing he won't get there, but, but it's interesting that, that, that she has a connection to all of them. Yeah, I really do see that. Do you think they're going to drop the Ivy story that they're setting up in the background? No, I think that's actually going to get shifted to Catwoman or Harley or both. It's quite possible that Harley and, Catwoman are become going to become sort of a semi crossover book. Okay. Cause I mean, Harley is, uh, going to be in both of, I mean, the covers indicate that we're going to have Harley and Catwoman in each other's book during fear state. And also Ivy in both books. And Ivy has featured heavily in Catwoman. You know, she was captured mm-hmm. by Simon Saint and used to create drugs. So, 
I think it's quite possible that Tynan was originally going to sort of make Ivy into an event, but I think he might have passed it on to Ram V and Stephanie Phillips in a similar way to the way uh, he passed Justice League Dark to Ram V. And I think, and I think not to go too much into Greater Gotham, but I think also, and, and this is me since I review Harley for for the website, right? But you know, I think at the beginning of of Harley Quinn, you know, there was a lot of sort of buildup about what happened and her breakup and her relationship with Ivy, and that's been sort of downplayed in the 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 next sort of five books, which I actually like because I think it's important that you know Harley as a character isn't framed just in terms of the relationships that she has, right? That she's sort mm-hmm. of her own character, and I think I might guess is Steph in part to your question that's partly what Stephanie Phillips is doing you know um, she'll come back to it um, in 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 the, the titular book if not Catwoman as well right and some of the other books I think she'll come back to it but I think she's trying to develop the character as her own person right without reference to relationship with Joker or um, Ivy mm-hmm. yeah I would definitely agree um, I have consistently been just really impressed with how Stephanie Phillips has walked the line of having Harley have a clear moral growth because Harley has often had redemption arcs, but they never stick um, because people like her chaotic energy too much. And what I've been impressed with about Stephanie Phillips writing Harley is she's able to blend the chaotic energy with the redemptive arc. So it's not intention. They're actually working together in uh, a very interesting way. And I also really agree with your point about, I think Harley needs to establish her arc and her personality and her goals um, outside of a relationship because I think Ivy could potentially be another Joker. I mean, she, I don't know in this continuity anymore if she's a mass murderer, but she certainly was before uh, the new 52. I mean, she killed so many people and you know what? I, I think that could be a very tragic love story. In fact, you know, Harley has found herself a, a better place, a place where she's actually helping people and she doesn't hurt people without caring anymore. But Ivy could be, you know, still in that mindset of hurting people because, you know, they're hurting the planet and I want to kill people who are doing that. And and Harley's like, that's not how you do things. We have to help people change. We have to help people get better. And and Ivy's like, no, we got to stop people now. So I could see that being a tragic story or it could be a one of growth for Ivy herself. Um, a lot of fertile, huh, I'm making so many bad puns right now, <laughs> fertile ground for plot seeds to oh, take God. root in. <laughs> All right, so let's give um, Batman number 111 a rating out of five crying Ians because James Tynan is leaving. Um, so a lot happens and stuff. I don't know. I really, I really wasn't, I don't know. None of the books I read this week was I like, wow, this is so great. I'm glad I read this <laughs> Um, I might have to give this a, th- a three. I just, I don't know. Nothing awesome really happened. The kid got shot. That was sad. <laughs> but, I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I liked it. I think, you know, just two sort of quick notes that we haven't talked about. One is, you know, um, Jimenez's art is so astounding. We barely oh, even yeah. talk about it every week. And mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and I'm every session, I don't blame everyone, but I, it's still, I just think it's spectacular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about Harley. I, and I know that Jimenez has been talking on his social media feeds about how much he loves Harley. And you can see it because I think the way he draws her is exceptional. That dynamic panel where she's swinging her bat as a you know as an ally of batman is is really cool her movement sort of as you said ian is really awesome so one i love is art 
I was a little down on on how they portrayed Scarecrow. I know you 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 all were kind enough to read my comment on one of the more recent pods where I sort of lament that Scarecrow is has so much potential and is just written as basically all he ever wants to do is make Gotham afraid, and that's exactly what happens in this issue, right? He just says the same thing again, right? He's just so happy to bring fear to Gotham. He never has any other motivations or plans that I've ever seen, right? So I was a little, I mean, I understand, but I was a little disappointed, especially because I think visually. He's so sort of arresting. Again, I love the what Jimenez is doing with Scarecrow as a character. So all in all, I'd probably give it a three, similar to Steph. All right. And I'm going to give this a 3.5 because I, I think that a lot of the points you bring up are valid criticisms and weaknesses, but I just think it was a really fun read. And I liked seeing how it sort of creates a circle going back to the beginning of the first comic. I really like that kind of structural thing. So I'm going to give it a 3.5, which, um, let's see, that gives us an overall score of 3.17 and a mode of 3. Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. Detective Comics number 1041, written by Mariko Tamaki, draw art by Dan Mora, and colors by Jordi Belair. Mayor Nakano receives a briefing on the disasters of the last few days, including the vile parasite, though his staff does not know Hugh Vile is behind it. In Mr. Worth's Rampage of Revenge, Bruce Wayne emerges from the sewers, contacts Oracle at a cafe, and Babs helps him gather an old suit and go to meet a new threat, calling itself The Jury and advertising all over Gotham. Batman arrives at Worth's warehouse and finds Worth, Penguin, some Falcones, all accusing Bruce Wayne of murdering Sarah Worth. Batman tells the jury the truth about Worth's murder, but Worth refuses to be swayed from his conviction of Wayne's guilt, and a firefight ensues. We see a flashback of Hugh Vile's parasite being extracted by mysterious scientists, and flashing back to the fight in the warehouse where the parasite is fired directly at Batman, infecting him. Elsewhere, Huntress, after her fight with the parasite in Batman's Secret Origins Huntress No. 1, tells Oracle that Batman has been infected, her connection to the parasite giving her insight. All right. So, for this part of Detective Comics, do you think that this half of the story could have been combined with the Huntress story as parallel plot lines. So they chopped them up so they fit into two issues, but instead of just getting Batman's story in this issue and just getting Huntress' story in the Huntress issue, do you think if they chopped them up, it could have made 
maybe a smoother narrative because there's a sense of sort of going back to where the Huntress story had already gotten us at the end of this story. Um, I don't mind that because when you're doing parallel storytelling, you, there's only so many ways you can do that. <laughs> Either have both things happening literally side by side, which would just be confusing. Hashtag Tom King. And uh, <laughs> so there's just so many ways you can do it. And so I think... If you wanted to know more, you can read the secret files, but I think they do a quick little summary of it here. Um, obviously, it's a whole book telling you how it happened, which is good for context and, and knowing, but for like progressing with the Batman story, I think this is fine. So I forgot what your actual question was, but I like this way of parallel storytelling where if you want the more detailed information, you can get it. Otherwise, it's it's fine that they just did a flashback switch exposition whatever in this issue secret origins was a separate comic right like you would have had to pay separately for it it wasn't a backup or anything like that right correct yeah yeah i mean i don't disagree with steph but this one comes close to pushing a line i mean because it's true you didn't need to read secret origins to understand what's going on here right um but and you're missing out on some pretty important context if you didn't, as far as I'm concerned, right? I mean, isn't that the one that details her, her actual fight with the parasite, right? That's what happens in, in Secret Origins? I mean, I read it, but I, it's, sometimes it's hard. So, so I mean, I think, I think it's okay. I don't disagree with Steph. I think it's okay that they did it this way, but, but it's coming closer to – than I think they should probably come to, to – to, you know, to, to making to leaving out some pretty big context if you didn't sort of pony up the extra dough for, for the Secret Origins comic. Yeah, as the phrasing of my question kind of indicates, I think that the Huntress story really was just another issue of Detective Comics, and I kind of think it would have worked better structurally if they chopped it up into a parallel plotline instead of two separate issues. I just think that it because we find out at the end that Huntress is already at the same point in the timeline that we reach at the end of this issue. It felt like I'd gone forward in time and then gone back and then gone forward again. So I don't think it's bad. I think you certainly could just read um, the Detective Comics and everything would make sense. But I think that since Tamaki is the one writing the Huntress story, it's all part of the same story. And so I think it could have been a bit more gracefully organized. What is your favorite Dan Mora art moment in this issue? <laughs> oh, oh, Hoodie Bruce. Can I just say Hoodie Bruce? I love Hoodie Bruce <laughs> with the jacket on. Oh, my gosh. That's the cutest look. I love that look. I love I love hoodies sticking out of coat jackets. And Bruce is yeah, just and so running out of r- running out of battery. In the, in the oh scene. yeah, it's just that so was... funny to see Bruce Wayne, you know, Batman <laughs> with all his gadgets and t- his phone died. He has to plug it in oh. in, a, in a coffee shop or something like that. that. Is, it's just ridiculous. That awesome. I love that. Yeah, Bruce in the coffee shop is my favorite Dan Morris scene of the week. Um, I had to look. I mean, that's funny. I was thinking of Steph when when you asked this question. I was like, I can. I know which one is not Steph's favorite, which would be the scene where they're sort of extracting the parasite Ugh. from Cuba. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was your least favorite page, Ugh. wasn't it? Oh, right? uh, not to go completely off the rails and maybe to give Daniel a little extra time to to look up his panel. But I watched, I watched Suicide Squad yesterday. A good. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, Starro was so gross. He was so bumpy and so slimy. Oh, my 
gosh, every time they did a close-up of his tentacles, I almost barfed. Oh, I have, I have, oh, what's it called? Tetraphobia? Tetraphobia? Don't look it up. Well, no, if you look it up and you barf, you have it too. But, <laughs> barf. Okay. Um, I mean, I think stars should be terrifying and gross. <laughs> oh, so, oh, I threw up. I couldn't look at the screen. <laughs> I love Dan Moore's art. It's hard to pick just one. And I actually don't mind the uh, sort of alien parasite genre, to be honest with you, right? Uh, I kind of like that. Um, but I think my favorite was probably just the Huntress, the, the Huntress page in general. You know, I oh, think yeah. especially that yeah. the top half of that page, that panel, it's like I really like um, like Renaissance art. So I like like the triangular geometry. The moon is like right above her head and you see Gotham sort of illuminated in the background and the coloring. I mean, Jordi Blair is spectacular, right? But it's just it's just a really cool page and a really cool image of Huntress. I think I think it's awesome. Yeah, well, I'm glad we di- we all picked different ones. Mine is going to be when Batman puts on his old suit and he's in yeah. the blue, gray and oval and my next question is, what do you guys think about possibly going back to Batman wearing the blue, gray, and oval regularly? Um, I, I, I don't have big feelings about generational outfits and uh, cars, but I think he's cool. It's definitely and the blue is more iconic. I think so. I, I'd be cool with that. I would not be cool with it. Um, <laughs> I um I um you know I have like you know there's there's lots of different Batman's right but I, I anything that even remotely resembles camp Batman I just can't mm. tolerate at all and the blue and the yellow those sort of garish colors really remind me that I really just like I love gothic Batman right you know just shades of black and gray that's what I really want in dark blues I guess so I mean but I think that's really personal preference. I mean, it's iconic. And I actually, it's funny. I actually noticed it. I, I winced. I was like, what, what's he doing? I was like, why is it all yellow like that again? Because I didn't realize I had, I, I had just forgotten that, that I, I hadn't picked up that Babs had said I stashed some old gear. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, Oh, it's old gear. That's why he's yellow. I was like, okay, it's fine. Right. But, but like, um, I really, I, it's just a personal preference. I really, really just prefer really sort of dark Gothic, shades but that's you know that's just my aesthetic so well i would say that dc definitely agrees with you because they've gone with the black and gray for at least 20 years um (laughs) i would love to see at least a year of batman back in the blue and yellow oval um i grew up with the yellow oval and i really miss it um there was a scene in batman um 10 let's see 101, right after Joker War, drawn by Guillaume March, which was a flashback to Batman in the blue, gray, and yellow with Tim Drake as his Robin. And I just, it hit me emotionally. And I was like, whoa, I miss this. And so seeing it again, and Dan Mora drew it so cool, um, I, I miss it. I would love to see it again. Maybe not permanently, but for a significant arc, I'd love to see a Batman wearing the retro suit. Um, I do. I, I do like how Dan Moore drew the utility belt on that page, Ian, because like um, I know a lot of the the artists now, like Lee Bermejo especially, and then there are some others who draw belt as just like a bunch of pouches, literally, you know. And I sort of grew up. My Batman was Batman the Animated Series, right? Where it was much more like the image that Mora has drawn here, like sort of all these little snazzy, cool compartments, right? And sort yeah. of uh, straight lines, and um, it's not. It doesn't look like sort of you know batman fanny pack which i'm not a big fan (laughs) 
All right. And Daniel, could you read the summary for our backup? Sure. Um, backup summary. Uh, Task Force Z Part 1, right? I think, isn't that what it's called? Um, it's called What the Bleep is Task Force Z. Is, <laughs> is that actually what it's called? Sorry, I was just looking it up. Yeah, What the Bleep is Task Force Z Part 1. Um, uh, and this is by uh, Rosenberg, right? And yeah. art by Robertson, right? Mm-hmm. Um Deb Donovan, Deb Donovan investigates the Gotham subway, chasing down the Transit Authority president for comment on rumored corruption and rising costs thrust onto consumers. Getting a mysterious note, she then heads to the morgue, views Bane and Batman's corpses, and discovers that Astrid Arkham, the Arkham Knight, has been body napped. Batman saves her when an armed thug warns her not to investigate A-Day, then warns her himself the same thing. Meeting up with Vicky Vale, who agrees with Batman after trying to scoop the story herself, Donovan heads home only to find Red Hood in her kitchen eating her cereal. So, are you more or less excited about the Task Force Z upcoming story now? I will say a hair more excited than my previously not excited because Jason's involved. And I love Jason. And I'm everywhere lately. I, I am I am excited. I'm a, I'm not unexcited anymore. <laughs> Although I hate I hate his bandana, like his mask bandana thing. Ugh. I I didn't know who it was for a second, even though his red hood mask is right there and he's wearing a red bat on his chest. I was like, who is this guy? Ugh. I didn't pick up that it was red hood immediately. To be honest with you, right? So yeah. I don't blame you, right? Um, <laughs> Maybe just because I've been used to what um, the art has been in urban legends, right? And it's different, mm-hmm. so different. So I just did, I didn't pick up on either. I, 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 I'm, I agree with you, Steph. It's it's fine. It's fine, <laughs> right? I mean, I think it's you know, it's I'm not like I'm not you know. I, I thought it was kind of. I, I thought it was cool to see like Bane and Man Bat's corpses. That's not something you see every day in the Batman universe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to see Bane's corpse, I was like, whoa. Um. um I don't. I'm kind of lukewarm on the Arkham Knight coming back. I wasn't a huge fan of that arc in Detective Comics. Isn't that where it was? It was in Detective mm-hmm. Comics, right? Yeah, it wasn't. It was. It was okay. I it was okay. I guess. Um, you know, and I think some of the. I think they've also been in some of the backups. I think they've been pushing Deb Donovan a bit too heavily. I, I don't find mm-hmm. her all that interesting as a character. It helped that she was having a conversation with Vicky Vale. That was kind of cool to see. That Vicky Vale! Yeah, exactly, right? I was actually really so, excited to do Vicky. I don't... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, me too, right? You know, um, I grew up, like I said, with Batman the Animated Series and Batman 89, so Vicky Vale always has a special place, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, um, so I, there were elements of the story that I liked. Um, I, I thought it was a little bit all over the place, especially for a backup. I mean, there was a lot of things going on. Yeah, here, I mean, the right? summary yeah. of this backup, even though it's only 10 pages, is as long as the summary for Detective Comics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had to get so, everything in there because there's all this random stuff in there. Exactly. I don't quite understand how any of that all fits together. And I, I think, you know, I think that the sort of device that they use where, like, you know, she's warned by the person with a gun not to do something and then Batman saves her, but tells her to do the exact same thing it's kind of (laughs) (laughs) it's a little peculiar and i i guess it's a little bit um self-referential because they sort of because because veil right kind of makes fun of it a little bit as well well you should just listen to him i guess so it's okay i mean i'm not i'm not like unexcited but you know i mean some of these threads i think will be sort of interesting to see where they end up 
I would say that I'm kind of the same. I, I just haven't been super impressed with Rosenberg. He's certainly very readable, but he doesn't get me excited the same way that, say, Tynan or Tamaki or um, Williamson or Ram V have been. Um, but it's, a, it's definitely an interesting concept, and I have really enjoyed the way that Deb Donovan kind of opens up Gotham. Uh, I'd agree that she's not as interesting as Vicky Vale. And I, I kind of was really amused that Vicky Vale was trying to steal her story. And then she sided with Batman. Cause you know, Vicky Vale has that romantic connection with Batman. Um, so th- there was a lot to recommend this story, but there's also a lot to say it's, it's messy and maybe it will sort of all the messiness will click into place as the story goes on. But right now it just feels kind of all over the place. Isn't Matthew Rosenberg, didn't he write the Grift Ease? He was writing the Grifter story in Urban Legends, right? Which I also thought was all over the place, to be honest. (laughs) It was very all over the place, and then it turned into an advertisement for Wildcats, and I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so out of Parasite Injector Guns, how many (laughs) would you give Detective Comics 1041? I... Love that Batman is relying on his phone. <laughs> he's, he's out of everything. I just thought that was fun. And and to be honest, I didn't expect Vile to be used as just literally a vial. <laughs> like, I, I thought, oh, they're going to bring him back. He's going to be fine. He'll be evil again. But no, they just need him as a source of DNA or whatever. So um, I, I was pleasantly surprised at the little personal and and plot touches, I couldn't care less about the zombies. Okay, not less. I there's very little less I could care about the zombie story. Um, but if Tamaki's writing it, I'm all. Is she writing the the no Rosenberg's writing it? Oh, then never mind. No, I don't care. Because um, as as I said before in a previous cast, if Tamaki wants to write zombies, I will read zombies. Um, but no. So I would say three and a half Ugh, parasite guns, bullets, whatever. Um, I, I I liked it. I mean, I still I still love what Tamaki is doing. I love that Dan Mora is back on the art. I know Victor Bogdanovich is a good is a is a great artist too, and I think it works with Tamaki's writing. But I think Dan Mora is really awesome, so it's cool to see him back. And um, you know, I still love that Huntress is playing an important role. So I think it works. Um, I like I like the story. I think I agree. I think Maki, you know, paints Bruce in some different ways, and I think it's quite humorous as well. I really did get a chuckle out of him, his his cell phone dying, and him having no more tech, basically. Um, so I'd give it uh, four parasite injector guns. <laughs> and I'm going to give it a three point five because I think that Dan Moore's art, like Jorge Jimenez's art, is just so consistently stunning. And the story is really fun. And even the backup kind of, it does, it definitely doesn't detract, like, um, I would say some of the past backups, like the Hugh Vile backstory definitely detracted. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, that gives us a 3.5, uh, 3.67 out of 5 injector guns for the overall score, the average, and a 3.5 mode. So quite nice. That concludes our review section, and now we'll move on to Greater Gotham. So we'll do a little bit of talk about the books, 
And then we'll do our thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral, or abstain. Free Comic Book Day Batman by James Tynan IV and Jorge Jimenez, which went on sale early. And now, of course, this episode will release on Friday, but we record on Tuesday, and they did have it available for free on Comixology. And it was basically Batman sort of in this delusional, high, hallucinational scarecrow world, sort of leading into Fair State. Um, it doesn't seem like a whole lot happens, but it gives you a lot of good fear feelings that put you in the right state of mind for fear state. I am doing so many dad jokes this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral or abstain. Um, well, mine is conditional because all of the free Batman book day books I read were half of half the book. I had already read from books this week or last week. So if I just read a preview of what I'm going to read in the next Batman neutral and skip it, although it's free, I mean, whatever, (laughs) but if it's actual supplementary material, then thumbs up. Abstain. I literally just downloaded this one like an hour ago, so I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I would give it a, a neutral. Um, as I said, nothing much happened. The art was really good, and the writing for nothing happening was fine. It's just nothing happened. So, <laughs> um, Batman eighty nine number one. Now these are this is the first of two um, tie ins similar to the Batman sixty six and Wonder Woman seventy seven series. This is Batman eighty nine, a continuation miniseries of the Batman eighty nine movie universe by Tim Burton, written by Sam Hamm, who apparently was one of the screenwriters for the Tim Burton Batman movies, and drawn by Joe Quinones. Um, this is focusing on Harvey Dent, who is played by Billy D. Williams in the uh, Tim Burton. So there's a lot of exploration of him being a black man in Gotham. Um, and this is before he becomes Two-Face. But, of course, all the covers are teasing that he will become Two-Face. So um, thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral for Batman 89 number one? Uh, it was uh, uh, an up, but it could go neutral. It didn't start off super strong. It started off interesting with potential. I was so disappointed. None of them really looked like the actors. Like Billy D. Williams did a little bit, but none of the none of the characters looked like their movie parts. I wonder if they couldn't get the rights to their visages or whatever you need to have. But yeah, it was fine. Thumbs up. But the jury's still out. Yeah, I agree. I, I give it a thumbs up. I mean, I'm a you know that was important for me, Batman '89, mm-hmm. growing up. So, so unless it's really bad, it's probably going to get a <laughs> thumbs up for me. To be honest with you, just because I'm so excited to have anything else from Batman '89. I, I thought the, you know, I thought I liked Joe Kinnon's art. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and and yeah, I'm just interested to get more sort of stories set in that in that context. So, thumbs up. I would also give it a thumbs up. Although I agree with Steph that. It's all set up. There's not a ton of action that's going on, so it could go terribly wrong and be very boring, or it could be really exciting. Now, I, unlike um, Daniel, didn't have a really... I didn't watch Batman 89 until probably I was in my late 20s. So it was after I'd seen all of the Christopher Nolan movies, and even, I think, after I saw the first Batman vs. Superman by Zack Snyder. So it's not anywhere close to the Batman that is iconic for me. Um but I do appreciate that they're providing content because I know a lot of people are like Daniel and really love that. And I don't see why you 
couldn't provide more content. Uh, I mean, if the creators are willing, and I do think Joe Quinones is doing a really great job with the art. I think he's going for a cartoony attempt to capture the actors instead of like a photo reel. And seeing what Salvador La Roca is doing on the Star Wars comics doing photo reel, that looks really creepy. So I kind of prefer <laughs> a more cartoony look. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but it's like he didn't on. even try. Like he doesn't even look like Michael Keaton. I don't know. It doesn't even have I will agree hair. that he the is... Batman doesn't look a lot like Michael Keaton because I think he's probably sort of blending Michael Keaton with like the <sighs> animated series look. Um, he's because... got shaved sides of his head. I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't think it's a huge loss if it doesn't look like Michael Keaton. Yeah, I mean, I Michael Keaton's a Michael great actor, <laughs> but he's not really a great Batman look. No, no, of course not. But I, I think it's also interesting, Ian, just your point, not to belabor this, but like I usually hate cartoony Gotham and Batman and love photorealism. Like I love <laughs> the cinemato- the cinemagra- cinema- cinematographic quality of Salaroka's Star Wars, although I agree it does feel a bit mannequin-y at some parts, right? But here I think it works just because you know I'm always thinking about Tim Burton, right? I mean it's supposed to be cartoonish. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, it, it that's sort of a really good point. That's the, that's the aesthetic. So I don't mind, even though I don't generally, that's not how I prefer the Batman universe to be, to be depicted. I think it works. It would be, it would be really weird if they did the hyper realism that I actually love. I think in Batman 89, I would be like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, so future state Gotham number four, uh, this was an interesting sort of filler arc, um, story about Harley Quinn fighting punchline in the future. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral? Interesting is not the word I would use. Neutral. <laughs> you can do thumbs down stuff. <laughs> I did not hate it. I was just like, ugh, another new character and things blow up and everyone is, I don't know, blah, blah. Neutral. Abstain. I didn't read it. I did the review of this uh, for the site and... I think the art was pretty poor. Um, it was a fill-in artist. It wasn't the main artist. Um, but I really like the potential that Punchline brings to Harley as a character because it really throws the Joker in two perspectives. Um, so I, I liked it. I'm going to give it a, a thumbs up. I am Batman number zero. Um, first issue of the continuation of Second Son by John Ridley, this time with art by Travel Foreman. Uh Ratings? Neutral. Abstain. Sorry, I didn't read a huge amount of greater gossip. Oh, there's no problem. You're a pinch hitter, so we don't expect you to <laughs> to have read everything with not expecting to do it. Um, I'm going to give this... Oh, I'm going to give it a neutral. It was going to be thumbs down, but then I remembered that he actually does explain when Jace took the name Jace. And that is something I've been complaining about for six months <laughs> so when ridley actually gives me what i've been complaining about i cannot give him a thumbs down so but i can't give him a thumbs up either because i'm frustrated it was boring yeah that's that's kind of why i'm frustrated because like what is <laughs> happening in these stories suicide squad king shark uh, this is free comic book day but it's also coming digital first to dc universe infinite uh, thumbs up, but I mean, it was an obvious Suicide Squad film marketing, but it was it was still cute. Abstain. 
I give this a big thumbs up. I loved Tim Seeley's Nightwing run in Rebirth, and this is clearly a continuation of that because it features it starts with Nightwing and his ex girlfriend Defacer, <laughs> um, Sean Sang, who's a supervillain who has uh, graffiti <laughs> skills. And it's just so funny because she's a perfect zealous character to go on the Suicide Squad. And she becomes a friend with this uh, King Shark. And it is a naked attempt to cash in on the movie. But you know what? If it gets people to buy the comic, I have no problem with that because it is a fun comic. And if it's, yeah, and if it's fun, if it's, yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. It, it was a fun read. Totally worth it. Uh, and I've missed Tim Seeley. Uh, I mean, I've read Money Shot, but it's... um. I prefer a little more heroic than sort of slice of life, which is what money shot is. Um, although the last bit was definitely not slice of life. It was more transcendent star trial from 2001 <laughs> with dirty jokes. The Joker number six back to the present day. Joker is in France and Jim Gordon is tracking him down. I'm going to have to say low neutral because this one focused so much on the cannibals, and I hate the cannibals. They're so creepy. So it was definitely not a quality of book. It was personal preference entirely. I did not like a majority of the characters focused on in this book. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely give it a thumbs up. I'm really enjoying this book. I think it was really interesting to have Sweeney Boo and uh, Guillaume March as artists. I actually wouldn't... I like them both, but I not, wouldn't necessarily have put them together. Um... I think their art, their artistic styles are a little bit different, but I thought it was interesting and it worked. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying this book. So, um, so yeah, thumbs up. And thumbs so far up for me. Mm -hmm. uh, this remains my favorite book on the shelf. Um, I think Steph's complaint, uh, Steph's distaste for the cannibals is completely reasonable. I mean, they are evil and super gross. But um, I think it's really funny just how he's constructed this world. Um, he said in his newsletter recently that the idea of these cannibals is they're basically the Texas Chainsaw Massacre become the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> they find <laughs> they oil totally on their <laughs> they find oil on their ground, but instead of being friendly and kind people, they are they like to eat people. <laughs> um, but I also just loved jim i mean the reason i love this book is jim gordon and it is so much of his his heart and he's struggling so much like he's not this pure character he's had so many flaws but he also does struggle to do the right thing and then his relationship with barbara is so vibrant i just i truly love this book and i'm so glad that he's not trying to end it in two issues because i would be really mad um Urban Legends number six. We have the conclusion of the Jason Todd arc. We have the conclusion of the Tim Drake arc. We have a standalone story about a Wildcat character. And we have um, a prologue for Deathstroke Inc. featuring Black Canary. Ratings. Thumb, thumbs up for the Jason story. Everything else, I don't know. Meh. I know people are so excited about Tim coming out as bisexual or whatever, but I just... It's sacrificed so much. I don't know. I just was not a fan. And then the death... No, not the death stroke. The, the wildcat story was just weird. I don't know. It was fine. It was not bad. So a, a, a thumbs up neutral and... Or a thumbs up, thumbs down and neutral. Yeah, I'd give this one a thumbs up. And I'm reviewing this book for the site. But but I, I really liked the end of the Jason arc. I thought it was mm -hmm. 
really, really well done. I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was an excellent. I think it's that arc that started and ended really, really strong. Um, I really love Tim Drake. Unlike a certain absent co-host, he's actually my <laughs> favorite Robin. Um, so I like Tim Drake, but I also and I actually like that he came out. I think that's important as queer, but. Um, I didn't love the story. I, I sort of felt like by the end of it, like it was all just a buildup for for Tim's coming out, which is fine. I think the, the actual coming out is really, really important, but, but I felt that the story sort of suffered in comparison. It almost would have to, I guess, right? So um, I will fully admit that I barely even know who the Wildcats are. So that one doesn't mean a lot to me, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Um, and I guess the the teaser for Deathstroke and Black Canary was was mediocre, but I, but I think overall it's thumbs up. I'm really struggling between a thumbs down and a neutral. I haven't been as impressed with the Jason story. It feels really kind of retreading a lot of the same ground. It has some interesting hooks. I do like the art, but. It doesn't seem to say a whole lot new, and the whole thing about him giving up guns at the end, I don't think they're going to keep that with Task Force Z. If they do keep it for Task Force Z, I will take that back, and it is actually important. But if he just if he's if he's using guns in Task Force Z, this story is completely meaningless. The Wildcat story, again, I, I'm with you guys. It's not bad, but I don't care. The Tim Drake story... It feels like DC is being incredibly cowardly. This is not the main focus of the story. Now, DC did apparently try to do some publicity, although I don't know how much of that was DC and how much of it was fans in other publications because they did have an Entertainment Weekly and a... Uh, what was the... There, there was another site that the writer, Megan Fitzmartin, did an interview about this story. But it... It's a backup story in an anthology series that's overpriced, so not a lot of people are writing it. I mean, reading it. If they really cared about Tim Drake coming out as bisexual, I think they should have either done a miniseries about this, where it was the focus, or they should have done it in the Pride anthology. Because either of those would make it clear that this is a priority for DC. The way they did it here make it seem like it is like, the lowest on their priorities. And they broke up Tim and Steph off panel. Now, I don't have to have Tim and Steph together. Um, they are my favorite couple, but Stephanie was single the entire run of Batgirl. And that's my favorite Stephanie Brown story. So it's not like she has to be with Tim Drake. But if you're going to break them up, I would prefer it to be on panel so I know why and what's going on. And Well, he said, he said in the comic, he said, no reason whatsoever and I don't know why. I, I don't think that's good. <laughs> I think that's very frustrating. <laughs> It's like, does Steph have anything to say about this? <laughs> um, um, so the the story, I think it's an interesting concept, and I'm not against it per se, but I think the execution was very poor. Um, and the, the Black Canary Deathstroke Inc. prologue, it felt like the Robin story, quite honestly, which was also by Josh Williamson and was completely unnecessary. Not bad, but why did we need space in the book for this? So I think I'm going to have to go with a thumbs down for the overall book. Um, just my take, unfortunately. If we were all the same, there'd be no point in having three people on the podcast. Indeed. So that's Greater Gotham. There is a lot of fun stuff going on, and I think we did mostly give thumbs up. So it's not like we're like really negative, but I feel like ending on Urban Legends kind of gives it a negative feel. So I apologize to our fans who want a bit more positivity. Um, Go read the King Shark book. It's hilarious, and I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's free! Um, <laughs> all right. So we had some excellent listener feedback. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth, 
ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Uh, both through Discord uh, direct messages. So, again, you can give feedback uh, in all the ways that Steph gave in her um, advertisement in the middle of the podcast. But for now, let's read our feedback. Okay. Uh, so this is from Liz, a.k.a. Tsukiyakari. I recently went and listened to all of season 13 of the podcast, and I really enjoy Stephanie's opinions. Ooh, thank you. My favorite episode was when you had Stella on for Joker number two. <laughs> and I finally went and read the Urban Legends Batgirl story, and I didn't like it as a fan of the Batgirls or Ryan. Ryan, so far in her appearances, feels inconsistent. I did like Sweeney Boo's art. I am excited for the Clunin Conrad backup later this year. I really hope it leads into the long-awaited Batgirls. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just called Batgirl, though, because of the branding. In one of Tynion's newsletters, he said he had a plan for every character in Gotham. Do you think this includes Bet? <laughs> if so, what do you think the plan is? I personally am hoping she shows up in Batgirls or at least Teen Titans Academy. Thank you, Ian, for recommending the podcast to me. Liz Tukiakari. P.S. Sorry for the obligatory Bet Kane question. Now, I barely know who Bet Kane is. The original Bat-Girl. Yes. Yeah, original Batgirl. And she was created as a love interest for Bruce, right? No, for Robin. So Batwoman oh, okay. was the love interest for Bruce. Uh, and Batgirl okay. was a love interest for Dick. Okay. And when did she, you know... Early 60s. Last appear. Oh, last appear? She was... So Tynan used her in like two panels in Detective Comics 975... I think that's the last time she showed up. But she was a big part of the early Batwoman series in the New 52 in 2011. Okay, so she's so, not obsolete. <laughs> she's not obsolete, but it has been a significant amount of time. I don't think she was included in his thoughts. I'm just making that up, but that is my opinion. I think that there is a chance she might show up in Teen Titans Academy, because that's a story with a rotating type of cast. But... She, she's so connected with Batwoman, and Batwoman herself has no real plans right now that I can tell. I mean, she's shown up in some anthology-type things, but she has no ongoing. She's not um, in any of the announced spin-off books, like um, Arkham City, or she's not in Task Force Z that I can see, and she's not... I, I just don't know where she'd be, and I don't think that we'd see bet without batwoman at this point just because of how strongly she was connected to that new 52 run um i know bet kane fans think and rightly so that she's had a whole career before she even met batwoman um but it doesn't feel like anyone who has a connection to that material is currently writing for dc maybe if jeff johns was writing more he might because he did write a lot of bet kane in his teen titans run but he's really detached and mostly writing, uh, you know, Stargirl, basically. So that was a great, great feedback, Liz. Thank you so much for writing in and listening. Now let's move on to our next piece. Sean Wolf says, hey there, Ian. Just read Ghost Stories, and I also enjoy Ghostmaker. Not a bad story at all. I love that Harley is leaving her evil ways and becoming a decent person. I did not like Future State. I hate the feeling of helplessness. I hope that all is great in your neck of the woods. I look forward to your next show. Sean emails me sometimes, too. Or whatever. 
discords me sometimes. He's a very sweet guy. He is, and I really appreciate him letting us know what he's thinking about uh, the Batman comics and listening to the episodes. Um, and so if anyone's ever feeling like you just want to drop us a line, even if it's to say, you know, I wish you weren't doing something, we're always open to feedback, constructive, um, critical, or positive. And I'm always up for learning because I'm clueless on most things Batman. So if you want to bat explain things to me, you're welcome to. bat <laughs> That's good. I'll have to remember I, that I like that. Stella. Stella used to say that <laughs> oh. uh, uh, Dustin was bat to her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a callback. <laughs> it's the history. The history. <laughs> All right, so now is the time of the show where we get to plug our support. So if you want to buy something from Amazon, Lego Comixology, or any other nerdy type of thing, we have so many affiliate links on our support page. Please, if you're thinking about buying something, go through there. It'll give us a little bit of money, and it doesn't cost you any more. We also have a Patreon and a PayPal. If you support us on Patreon for a certain amount, then you become one of our Bat Fan Appreciation Wall members, and we read you out on the podcast like so. Thank you to Gerald Green, Joshua Lappenbertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Ian Miller, Stephanie Meltz, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, and Cesar Diaz. Um, we've had a lot of interactions with all of you who are, uh, you know, Bat Fan Appreciation level members on patreon and we really appreciate your support it helps us to keep the archives of the podcast up so you can all listen to them and then send us messages about them and it just it helps keep the show together and we really appreciate all of you so that brings us to the end of our episode thank you so much for listening i've been ian this is steph this is daniel and thanks again for daniel for jumping in theo work hard and we hope to see you next episode and for all of you we'll see you next time